Well, hello, teachers, and welcome back to another episode of the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast. My name is Caitlin Mitchell, and I am your host. And in today's episode, we are going to be talking with my dear friend, Jenna, from Doc Cop Teaching, and we will be talking all about using picture books in your middle school ELA classroom. So we'll be talking about what the research says and how we can utilize picture books in an effective way so that they're really a part of our curriculum. So without further ado, let's get right into this episode and get started. Welcome to the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast, where it's all things reading and writing all the time. Game-changing lessons and fresh ideas, along with a dose of inspiration, are shared to help make your teaching life just a bit easier. And now your host from the blog EB Academics, Caitlin Mitchell. All right, everybody. Well, I am so excited to welcome to the podcast today, Jenna from Doc Cop Teaching. Jenna, welcome. We're so excited to have you. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. I just love this podcast. Absolutely one of my favorites. So I am very honored to be here today. Oh, well, you're so sweet to say that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Before we dive into talking about picture books and literature and how we can use it in our classrooms and all of just your incredible wealth of knowledge that you have, can you tell our audience, our listeners, just a little bit about you, who you are, maybe where we can find you online if we want to learn more from you after this episode? You can just let us know. Sure. So my name is Jenna Copper, but my students often call me Doc Cop, and that's where the title of my blog comes from, Doc Cop Teaching. Um, back in 2013, I graduated with my PhD in education. So since then, I have been going by Dr. Copper and Doc Cop just kind of stuck. So I also teach high school. I've been teaching high school since 2008. Um, most of my experiences is, is in the upper levels. So I teach this year AP Literature, AP Language and Composition, and English 12. But I'm also the English Department Chair. So one of the really fun things that I get to do in my job is I get to work with all of the English teachers. And I have a very small school district. I work in a rural school district where we are housed from 5 to 12 in one building. So I work very closely with all of our middle school teachers as well as our high school teachers. So it's a really good it's a really good work environment, not to mention that my husband also works in the same school district <laughs> that I do and my kids go to the same school district that we work in. Oh fun. So it really is a family affair and it's a really great setup. I love that. And I think it's really neat too, in a way that you have five through 12 all in the same district. Because I remember when I taught high school, that was a problem I felt like I ran into often was our students were coming from so many different great uh, school districts, so many different schools. And so when they would come in in ninth grade and I was their ninth grade teacher, you know, they all had just different background knowledge and experiences. And it was very difficult that first semester, I would feel like a freshman yeah. year mm -hmm. to figure out like what we were going to do with writing and where we mm -hmm. all were and all of that stuff. So I kind of, I, I kind of like the smaller school district of yeah. that you're dealing with there. <laughs> it definitely has its positives and negatives, but I will say that it is really wonderful that I get to work with our entire department. Mm -hmm. And so I really know what we're doing in each grade level. And it makes my job easier by the time they get to me as juniors and sure. seniors. <laughs> but it's also just kind of fun. I really enjoy being able to work with all grade levels. 
Yeah. And so this job gives me the opportunity to do that. Absolutely. Well, that's great. That's awesome. So in addition to your teaching experience, I know you're also a mom, you have two little girls, Mm -hmm. um, but can you let us know where we could find you online? I know you're really active on social media and I think our listeners might want to follow you there and kind of learn more ideas from you there as well. Sure. Yes. So you can find me, um, of course, over at my blog at doccopteaching.com. And then on social media, I tend to spend most of my time hanging out on Instagram. I really love the teacher community there. And in fact, that's where we met for the first time. So um, that's where I'm most active. You can find me there. And although you can also find me on Facebook and Twitter, but I'm more likely to be engaged on Instagram. Great. And the ideas you share on Instagram are super applicable to middle school. They can be adapted for us as well. So definitely give Jenna a follow. follow. I'll include the link to her Instagram and her blog in the show notes for you. So you can just click on that and then go find her over there. Thank you. All right. So we're going to dive right into talking about using picture books in our English classrooms. And I would love to know kind of where this idea stemmed from, like what really interested you in this? I know you did some research on it and where did that spark for this um, kind of come from? Well, this is kind of interesting because this, the research that I started doing coincides with when I finished my dissertation, but they have nothing to do with each other. (laughs) Um, Other than they're just, I like researching. So this actually goes back to 2013 when I found out that I was pregnant. And so one of the teachers that I work with in our district has been my mentor from the time that I first started teaching. And I really admire her because she is just a phenomenal English teacher and she's also a working mom. She has three daughters, all of whom are well-adapted and just independent, strong, wonderful young girls. So I asked her, what, what is your secret? Can you please tell me your secret? Because I'm just so impressed by you. And she said two things. She said, you need to love your kids and you need to read to them. Mm-hmm. And so basically we went from having zero children's books in our house to just so many at this point, six years (laughs) later, that we don't even know what to do with them. And it is a wonderful problem (laughs) to have. So that's where the research started. It really just started and getting when I became pregnant and I realized that um, we needed to fill our house with children's books. We had lots of adult books, but we wanted to fill it with children's books too. Mm-hmm, sure. And I, I love that because as a mom, you know, my little guy's two years mm-hmm. old right now. And I just, I, I told my husband the other day, I was like, no one needs to buy us another book. We have so many. so many, but then I don't <laughs> want to say that because they're all so different and they're all so cute. Um, yes. but you tell such a beautiful story on your blog about sitting there with Gianna and reading her a book and just kind of this almost like epiphany that you had with it relating to your English class. I would love for you to share that story as well. Sure. So this came off of my experience, um, finishing my dissertation. And in fact, I actually defended my dissertation when I was six months pregnant. So Good for you. <laughs> Gigi was actually there in my belly, but she was there. So I was just coming off of some very academic research and I had this misconception as I found in the research that many middle school and high school teachers do. And that is that children's books are just for children or just for babies and that it's not academic enough for our students, for our secondary students. And um, it, it didn't take me long though to realize just how complex they were. And so I had, you know, little Gigi, she's six months old, she's sitting on my knee and we're reading these books and all of a sudden I'm preparing now, getting ready to go back to school and to teach my classes. And I'm seeing some of these really advanced literary concepts just kind of pop out at me from the pages, you know, concepts that my AP literature students have to learn like asyndeton and, Mm -hmm. you know, thematic development and tonal shifts. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, 
you know what, there has to be some academic merit to teaching these to my high school students. And so that's when, that's where, really where I started doing the research. And it's taken me on a great path because this is something I really enjoy talking about. And it turns out there's a lot of other teachers that want to do this too. They just don't know where to begin. And so mm-hmm. that's where I hope to come in and be able to help. Yes. I, th- I just think that's such a sweet story. And just the way that you put it on your blog, I would love everyone. I'm going to include the link for everybody so they can go read it as well. Um, but I feel like some of the best ideas just come to us, you know, yes, in the exactly. most unexpected of ways. And so after you had that experience and you decided, okay, I'm going to start incorporating um, children's books and picture books into my classroom. You, I know you, you went and did the research and you found, you know, the best way to do this and what the research says. So can you share with us, what does the research say about incorporating picture books into our classroom? Like how is it really going to benefit our students? And, and then how do we do it in a way that isn't just reading a picture book and then kind of moving on from it and not doing anything with it type thing. Yeah. So what's really interesting is that when I started doing the research, I found that most sources that were studying picture book application to secondary students tended to focus on programs in which students in the secondary schools were reading to elementary students. And while I do think there is a lot of value in that, it wasn't exactly what I was looking for in the research But the interesting part was that overwhelmingly, and you can see some of the sources that I cited in my blog post, but overwhelmingly I found that picture books had been documented to be excellent materials for curriculum, such as um, ways to improve reading comprehension, ways to incorporate visual literacy. They can be great for stimulating higher order thinking, um, creative thinking. And then of course, there's a great way to introduce rich vocabulary. So all of this was documented in the research, but I wasn't really finding any ways to incorporate this into the classroom. And so that's where I started doing some research of my own. And I eventually narrowed it down to three major ways that we can, as secondary English teachers, introduce picture books into our classroom to serve a literary analysis type of lesson. Okay. So great. So that's what you're going to share with us today, right? Absolutely. Yes. Awesome. (laughs) Okay. So the first way that Um, that I discovered. And this is, I think, the most common way. And it's to introduce a literary concept. So basically, I came up with this idea to teach students challenging literary concepts. And this could be whatever is challenging for your specific students. Mine personally, for my example, is tonal shifts. My students can identify tone in a work, but identifying where the shift might come in, especially in poetry. Mm-hmm. This is a really important concept for them on the AP literature exam. Mm-hmm. So I was reading Llama Llama Red Pajama, which I know some <laughs> of your listeners are going to know because it is a very popular book if you have little kids. Um, and it's a great story that talks about this little llama who's getting ready for bed and he starts to have some panics as his mother is taking a long time to come up and kiss him goodnight. And so there's some distinct tonal shifts in this work that I thought, if I can show my students this in this accessible format, this picture book, when they have to apply it to the AP exam, it's going to be a breeze for them. And sure enough, I read it to them. They were able to identify those tonal shifts. The images in the picture book really made it come to life for them. And then when we applied it to 17th century literature, it wasn't so hard to understand what a tonal shift was. That's so awesome. way number one is to introduce a literary concept. Yeah. And I do want to speak to that a little bit too. So mm-hmm. we have a narrative writing online professional development course. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that we suggest teachers introduce leads and 
conclusions for narratives mm-hmm. to their students is through picture books. Exactly. So different types of leads that different type of types of picture books use to show like really as an example to your students, this is what it looks mm-hmm. like in a very, you know, approachable and digestible format for kids. So absolutely. I absolutely love that example. Yeah. And it just makes it so much more accessible to them. Not to mention it brings some of the magic of their elementary days into the classroom. And mm-hmm. I certainly believe that there is, um, there's definitely opportunities to bring more magic into a secondary classroom, then we should absolutely do it. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> absolutely. So yeah. what is our number two way or second way that we can bring it into our classroom? Okay. So the second way is to explore literary devices. So this is a more of an inquiry based approach. And what I really like about this is that you are giving students the opportunity to read the books on their own. And so if you're not comfortable doing a read aloud to your students, if this is something that maybe you find intimidating, especially with older students, then this is a great approach to, to start with. Uh, what I like to do is I set out a literary device at maybe five or six different tables or stations in my classroom. And I pair those literary devices with different picture books. Mm -hmm. I make sure that I pair them with a book that really brings to life that specific literary device. And then I have students rotate through the stations, reading the picture books to each other. And with the pairing of that literary device, I'm going to ask them to explain how that literary device is used or utilized and exemplified in that particular book. And it's a really great way to give students an opportunity to get their hands on the books, to read several at once, and to explore several different literary devices. And the best part about it is finding five or six different children's books is very simple. Mm -hmm. Going around and finding picture books for kids is one of the cheapest and one of the easiest ways to build a classroom library. (laughs) Okay, so can we move on to number three then? Okay, so our third idea is to extend a literary concept. And I just love this idea because this can be used to really diversify your curriculum, Um, especially in my class, for example, I teach British literature and my curriculum dictates that I have to teach it as a survey course starting from the beginning of Britlet mm-hmm. all the way up to modern day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I love about this concept is that you can pull picture books into your curriculum and use them to exemplify something that you're studying, specifically a theme or a literary concept. So one example of that is um, that I like to bring in Malala's magic pencil mm-hmm. when we're studying rhetorical devices. And so this is a great way to bring in a great story and to have students analyze this wonderful picture book, not just for the thematic qualities of it and the rhetorical analysis qualities, but also for the visuals. And so that's something that you can do as well. It's a great way to add another layer of complexity to their study. Absolutely. So I love that. So can you reiterate all three of them for us if we're taking notes diligently like the good teachers that we are? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So the first one is to introduce a literary concept. And simply that means that you are going to pick a picture book that you can introduce some sort of literary analysis aspect in your classroom. The second one is to explore literary devices in which we pair picture books with literary analysis um, prompts or questions, and we have students use an inquiry-based approach to explore them. And then finally, our last one is to extend a literary concept And what we do with this is we're going to, after our unit of study, use a picture book to either diversify our curriculum 
or to add another layer of complexity to help students really illuminate whatever concept that you are studying in your classroom. That's phenomenal. And I, I love listening to you talk about it. Just, I can tell you are a high school AP English teacher <laughs> with your vocabulary and the way that you speak. It's just so eloquent. So um, I love all three of those. And I just feel like as a, as a listener, you know, I definitely would love to take this back to my classroom, but it does seem kind of a little bit daunting and, and scary maybe um, mm -hmm. for some of us. So what would be like the best easiest place for me as a seventh grade English teacher who wants to bring picture books into the classroom, but just doesn't really know how to do it in an intentional way. I think the easiest thing that you can do is just start reading picture books and you don't need to do this um, just with your children, with your own children, if you have children, or if you don't have children, it's one of the easiest ways to vet curriculum. Mm -hmm. It's hard for us sometimes as secondary teachers to find really engaging books for our students because we don't necessarily have time to read all of the young sure. adult literature that's right. out there. Yeah. But with picture books, you could spend 20 minutes in a bookstore and browse through books. And I promise you that you are going to see these literary devices just pop out at you from the pages, just like it did for me. So I would say that if you think that this is something you would like to try, just start reading picture books and the ideas are going to come to you just like they came to me. I love that. So I'm going to start thinking about this while I'm yes. reading to my son at night yes. from now on as we're reading gonna, Good Night Moon, I'll be looking for things. <laughs> yep. Actually, Good Night Moon is one of the, um, one of the books that I include in my stations activity. I use it to teach, um, Polly Sinditon and A. Sinditon. Awesome. Very cool. Well, I'll be paying attention to that when I, and I'll be yes. teaching Will that when I put him to bed tonight. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll be preparing him for AP Lit way in advance. There you go. <laughs> I love that. Um, so I know that like you've talked about, you have a blog post and do you have like a, a resource that we can point people to that they can download that might give them some more information, um, that they can kind of print out and take with them? Sure. Absolutely. If you go to the blog post, you will find a place to, um, log in and join my VIP free resource library. And in that resource library, among a bunch of other resources that I have, you will find my um, ongoing list. I'm going to continue to add all of my favorite picture books to this list. And the best part is that I have tried to pair them with literary concepts. So I'm hopefully saving you some time in this that you might even have some of these books at home, but we've already started pairing them. And one really cool thing is that this is a topic that I've presented on at um, the Keeping the Wonder Workshop, which is one of our um, secondary ELA workshops that I'm affiliated with and I'm, I've partnered with. And one of the best parts about that is I have talked to so many educators about this now that I've been able to really grow that list over mm -hmm. time and come up with some really great pairings for you. That's wonderful. So if I have a certain concept that I'm focusing on, maybe you have a picture book already paired with that concept that's taken care of. I can go find that picture book and start using it in my class the next day. Absolutely. And what we've tried to do is make a list of the most common literary analysis devices Love that, that you would need. So we have lots of books to match them. Excellent. That's super helpful. So I'm going to link that up and I will put it under a specific link that's easy for people to remember. So if you go to ebacademics.com forward slash Jenna podcast, again, that's forward slash Jenna podcast, that will take you to the place that you can log into her free resource library and access that download for free. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us. Oh, you're welcome. So before we end, um, and I have five questions that I'm going to ask you at the very end, like quick fire questions that are fun. Uh -oh. <laughs> um, I'll be interested to see what your answers are. Can you, do you have any like last minute things that you want to say or that you want us to take away from our time together today? 
Yeah. The last thing that I would like to say is that I think that when I was first starting out, um, just kind of exploring how I was going to do this, I made one major mistake that I think I can help you sort of prevent in your classroom. And that is when I brought the picture book into the classroom, I almost brought it in with a sense of embarrassment or excuse making, like trying to justify why I was bringing a picture book into a mm-hmm. secondary class. And what I have discovered over the, the period of research that I've done is that picture books have a place in secondary ELA. And so when you go to introduce this book, you do not need to make any excuses. Mm -hmm. You don't need to justify it. There is a whole body of research that completely justifies why this is such a great way to introduce literary analysis. And so that's, that's it. Go in, be bold. And I promise that the students will react to that in a really positive way. And you'll, you just might see some magic from their childhood come to life as well. Oh, I love that. I love the magic from their childhood because yes. I, I feel like our middle schoolers, and I had this conversation with um, Ashley on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. our middle schoolers, they're still kids, you know, they're yeah. still little and they, they would love to go back to, you know, those fun days of like make-believe <laughs> and imagination and magic. So I just absolutely love this idea of incorporating children's literature and picture books into our classrooms more. Um, and I'm excited to see what our listeners do with it. Um, if you you guys start taking this concept into your classroom and you're using picture books, if you'll tag us on Instagram yeah. at dot teaching and at EB academics so that we can see, like we would love to see you utilizing this concept with your kids. Yeah, I would love that. Make sure that you <laughs> tag us because we love getting more ideas for picture books as well. So if you have some ideas, we will definitely add them to the list. Oh, yes. That's a good point too. I love this. So send Jenna messages if you have ideas. Yeah, <laughs> Direct absolutely. Okay. So as we're coming to an end, I have our five quick fire questions. Um, just answer. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Okay. Okay. If you could travel anywhere, where would it be? Italy. Absolutely. Me too. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) What is your favorite month of the year? October. Oh, why? followed very closely by, by, um, the summer months. (laughs) I love October because the weather in Pennsylvania is so beautiful in October. Um, we are having really nice weather. The air is crisp, but it's still pretty warm. It's in the sixties and seventies. Um, I love, I love football. I love high school football. I love college football. So (laughs) I have to say that October is probably my favorite month. That's fun. I like that. Everyone says their birthday month. So I like that you said October is something different. Yeah. What is your favorite lunch item? Oh, this one's easy. Rotisserie chicken. That is my go-to. We get a rotisserie chicken every week. And whenever I don't know what to eat, I just bring rotisserie chicken with me. <laughs> so do you, it's like, do you bring the whole thing or do you like no. cut out part of it and take it in the... In the I cut out. <laughs> Could you picture me coming into school with like holding my rotisserie chicken? No, I like, I like cut it up and I'll like eat it with... Sometimes I'll eat it on a sandwich or in a wrap or... Sometimes I'll just eat it plain if I'm really rushing, which I'm embarrassed to say is often. No, I do that too sometimes, especially when I'm starving. I'll just cut a little piece off and just take a bite. I like adding it to those like um, ready-to-go salads at the grocery store. Just add the chicken and avocado, and it's just a super hearty salad. It's delicious. Oh, Oh, I'm hungry now. I'm ready to eat dinner. (laughs) (laughs) So what is the last book that you read? Oh, this is so easy. I finished it last night. I just finished book five of Harry Potter. I'm a first-time Harry Potter reader. 
people, please do not judge me. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I don't know why I waited so long. You were all right. I was wrong. <laughs> um, I just finished The Order of the Phoenix. And in fact, when we get off here, I'm about to go watch the movie because I've been reading each book and then following it up with the movie. Nice. Nice. So I'm going to admit something. I've never read one of the books before. Oh, I can't believe you're admitting that. In I public. know. People are going to be very, very upset. <laughs> very mad that. at me. I know. I have. I bought the whole like beautiful series, yep. like all wrapped. And then I had my son and it was just like, my, I'm in survival mode, you know, in life. I'm I not know. in thriving, like well, reading for pleasure mode quite yet. <laughs> I can totally say that because we're, I think we're close to the same age and it kind of missed my age group by the time that it was really popular mm-hmm. for me. It was already so many books in that I just never yeah. got into it. And same, same. Yeah. Well, how but old I you? love it and it's absolutely worth reading. Do you mind me asking how old you are? Can you tell everybody on the podcast? 33. Same. I, that's what I thought. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. See, yes. that's why we have okay, so much that's in common. Why. Yep, that's why. <laughs> um, okay, last question. If you weren't a teacher, what would you do? I would be a lawyer. Nice. I almost was a lawyer. In fact, my undergraduate degree is in English literature, and I had plans to either become a teacher, become a professor, or go into law. And, and then so, what changed your um, mind? Um, I had some really great mentors in college mm-hmm. that um, just kind of ta- basically what happened was I had some really great mentor professors, and I just looked at them and realized I wanted to do what they did. Yeah. And so um, even though law was always something that was kind of an idea for me, it just, I, I went in the right, I definitely mm-hmm. went in the right direction. Absolutely. There's nothing like teaching, you There's know, nothing it's like teaching. such a great job. And I spent my whole, my, you know, I don't know if you know this. My mom was a teacher. My dad mm-hmm. was a teacher for many years. My grandma, yeah. my aunt, like uncles, ev- my cousins are teachers. Everyone's a teacher. And I was like, yeah. I am not going to be a teacher. I'm going <laughs> to do something different. And then it was like May of my senior year. And I looked at my husband now, who was my boyfriend at the time. I was like, ugh. I want to be a teacher. teacher. <laughs> I was like, I guess I'm going to be a teacher. It's in your blood. <laughs> you can't help it. It just is what it. it is, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I loved your answers. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, today, Jen. I had such a great time talking to you. Thank you, Caitlin. I had such a great time. I really enjoyed it. Isn't that such a great episode? I just love Jenna so much. She's so knowledgeable. And although she teaches high school English, a lot of the stuff that we talked about today can absolutely be applied into your middle school classroom. We would love to see you over on Instagram. Give us a follow at EB Academics. Let us know that you listened to this episode, or we would even love if you took it a step further and left us a review in iTunes. I know it takes a little bit more work, but your reviews mean so much to us and it really helps us reach other middle school ELA teachers just like yourself. So I will see you guys next week on the podcast. Have a great week.